Well, good morning, everybody. I want you to welcome Clint, Kim, and Collins uh, to the stage this morning. <laughs> wow. Well, we just uh, want to thank you uh, for sharing your story over this last month and just kind of letting us in to, you know, it can be a very private uh, journey that you've been on, but you have just done such a wonderful job of sharing that. So we want to thank you very much for that. And uh, you have some news, some new news as of this last week. Yeah, so during the Jonah series, uh, we had scans, and Collins is now two years cancer-free. Cancer-free. So we're so happy. We're so excited about that. So tell, tell me, um, you're, you're members here at First Colleyville. You're part of a connect group that just recently multiplied and started a new group. Mission Families. Oh, there you go. Give a little shout out. All right, a little shout out over there. Uh, so how did, you, how did you come here? So when Collins relapsed, uh, we were actually in between churches, and um, we just weren't able to go to church just because her blood counts were high enough. And so uh, people from First Colleyville just took it upon themselves to reach out to us, and the Connect group at the time, Parenthood, people from that group uh, reached out. Church staff showed up to the hospital with gift baskets and just prayers, and people called the the room we were staying at on the oncology floor just to pray on us every night. And we just felt like, hey, as soon as we can get to church, we're going to First Colleyville because just the amount of love, kindness, and support that this church reached out and gave to us, we just had to come and see what it was all about. Yeah. And we just never turned back. All right. And then Collins was actually, Collins, you were baptized here, right? Yeah, absolutely. So that wasn't very long ago. No, it was a few months after she got back to church and got her health going again, she wanted to get baptized immediately. So it was really awesome. Yeah, that's so good. We're so excited for you guys. So tell me, Kim, um, kind of having journeyed through all this, what are some things that we can do as a church to love on families uh, that are hurting in similar situations or, or maybe just hurting in general? You know, I think um, this church, uh, like Clint said, has done, was, um, did a really great job of really being the hands and feet of Jesus. And I think just reaching out, um, you know, I think a lot of times that when you're in this type of situation, everybody texts and it's like, please let us know if you need anything. And when you're in this situation, it's, you're just so overwhelmed that you really don't even know what you need. And so, you know, like a lot of people just stepped up and just, you know, mowed our lawn for us and just did, did things for us. And so... You know, now I tell people, I'm like, if you don't tell me what you need, then I'm just going to send like toilet paper and paper towels to your house because <laughs> nobody's going to like, it never goes bad and you always need it. So, um, I think just reaching out um, and, and just, just being the hands and feet of Jesus, I think is the most important thing and letting, letting, letting them know that you're there. And so that's, that's probably the, the greatest lesson that we've learned. Now you guys are engaged in a ministry also, Lighthouse. Uh, tell us a little bit about how that's going. Uh, it's going great. We uh, are going to be volunteering in North Carolina this summer with Lighthouse Family Ministries. <laughs> and she loves it. And so <laughs> it's uh, just an opportunity for us to go and serve families who are fighting cancer. Because, uh, you know, whenever you're fighting cancer, it's just not your... Everything suffers. Your relationship, your your other kids you have, your uh, it just goes on and on. You know, just time with your wife or your husband is is because one of us is always staying in the hospital every night, and so this is just an opportunity to go and love on these family in the name of Jesus and pray on them and get God back into their lives. 
And uh, so we're looking forward to that. Next summer, I think we're going to have a bigger opportunity to serve with more people from mission families and stuff. Right. So it's going to be awesome. That's wonderful. We want to join with you in that. And uh, what a great ministry. So can we just pray with you right quick? Absolutely. And, um, church family, let's pray together, okay? Father, we just thank you so much for your, your grace and your goodness to us. And Lord, thank you for the good work you've done in Colin's life, um, healing her and drawing her to you, Lord. And thank you for the way you have shown yourself strong um, with this precious family. Lord, we pray that you continue to go before them and that, Lord, they would use the journey that they've been on to point people to you. Uh, Lord, we just uh, want to all be used by you, Father. And we thank you for your goodness to us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, one more time, uh, give them a warm thank you for all that they've done for us. All right. Well, uh, why don't you get your Bible out and open it up to the book of Jonah. Jonah chapter 4 is where we're going to be. We're wrapping up the book of Jonah today. It's been a great study and uh, been really uh, exciting for me to get a chance to uh, walk through this book with you. You could probably summarize the book of Jonah this way. In chapter one, God speaks to Jonah. In chapter two, Jonah speaks to God. In chapter three, God speaks through Jonah. And in chapter four, God and Jonah have a conversation. And uh, that's what we're going to do today. We're going to look at that conversation that God and Jonah have that really is a conversation that you and God have probably had as well. All right. So let's just jump right into it. Uh, look at chapter three. We're going to look at the very last verse of chapter three, just to get a running start at it. Uh, Jonah chapter three, verse 10. This is the word of God. And when Jonah saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he had said that he would do to them, and he did not do it. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry. Now stop right there for just a minute. The word angry there uh, literally means to burn. So what that means is that Jonah was fired up. Jonah was really unhinged. He was angry uh, because uh, while he had gone to this wicked city called Nineveh, and while he had preached what God told him to do, that God didn't bring judgment. You know, that's what Jonah really wanted, and it made him angry. I mean, listen, he had every reason to be happy. Wouldn't you think so? I mean, if you went and preached a sermon and a couple hundred thousand people got saved, wouldn't you be happy? I mean, would you post that on your Instagram or Twitter or something like that and say, hey, look what happened and I got to be a part of that? I mean, this spiritual awakening took place at his one sermon and, and while he should be celebrating, he was angry and negative and critical and bitter. It just doesn't seem right. You know, I, I've met people like that, all right? I've known people like that. I've grown up in church almost all my life and uh, been serving churches now for years. And, uh, and, and I've noticed that there's sometimes, you see some people, and while God's on the move, they're angry or they're critical. You know, maybe the church is growing and people are getting saved and people are going to the nations and people are being discipled and, and the community is being served, but they're, they're not happy. They're negative or they're critical or they're complaining all the time. And I've often wondered, why is that? How can things be going so well and that person be so hard-hearted about it? And, and I've learned a lesson that I think is why that happens. 
And also, I think this, is, this lesson is why Jonah really went off the rails, especially toward the end. Why Jonah resisted God, why Jonah ran from God, why Jonah was not happy when God showed up in a big, powerful way, while Jonah became so isolated and embittered. Uh, I think this is the reason why. I think it's the same thing that many times affects people in churches. People in churches that come to church, but yet never grow and never have a a thriving walk with Jesus and never have joy in their heart. I think this one thing can, can suck the life out of a new Christian. And here it is. The problem with Jonah is that Jonah's heart was not aligned with God's heart. Jonah was doing the right things, right? Jonah had external obedience. Jonah did, okay? He went to Nineveh. He preached the message. He did what God expected him to do, but his heart was never changed, right? He was doing it on the outside, but he was not with God on the inside. And Jonah's heart was not aligned with God's heart. Jonah's heart was not broken over the things that breaks God's heart. Jonah's heart was not elated with the things that rejoices God's heart. Jonah's desires were not the same as the desires in God's heart. And so Jonah could never celebrate what God was doing because his heart was not aligned with God's heart. Listen, that same thing can happen with you and me. We can come to church and we can read our Bible. We can have external obedience. We can give. We can even volunteer on occasion. We can look like we're doing the right thing and yet our hearts be drifting from God. And it happens to many, many people that sit in churches every week and they're doing the right things, but their heart is drifting further and further and further away from God's heart. In fact, let me just give you this one statement that I think is really important for you to chew on and think about and ponder this week. You will only experience real joy when your heart is aligned with God's heart. You'll never really have joy in your spirit You'll never be able to rejoice with what all God is doing unless your heart is aligned with God's heart and then your heart doesn't drift away from the Lord. You say, well, Craig, what would cause my heart to drift from God? I don't want that to happen. I don't want that to happen with me either. So what causes our heart? I I want you to know that the book of Jonah is a case study on how your heart can drift from God, how you can start off right and start off well and then just slowly, slowly drift from God's heart. And so Jonah has a lot to teach us about this. So I'm going to give you a couple of things that cause our hearts to drift from God. Are you ready? Paper out, pen out. Once you write these things down and ask God to reveal if any of this is even happening in you. All right. Here's the first thing that causes our heart to drift. One is a craving for control. A craving for control. Look at verse 2. Well, back up to verse 1. Jonah, this displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry. Verse 2, and he prayed to the Lord and said, Oh, Lord, is not this what I said when I was yet in my country? This is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish, for I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. And the Lord said, do you do well to be angry? Now, stop right there. Jonah is mad, right? Jonah's mad because he hated these Ninevites. These Ninevites were wicked, evil people. I mean, they'd done 
so many atrocities and horrible things to so many uh, innocent people. And, and, and in Jonah's mind, the only right thing to do would be for God to give them just fire and brimstone justice, all right? Whatever you did to Sodom, God, just double it and give it to them because that's what, that's what Jonah thought was the right thing to do. And so for God to give them grace and mercy was just wrong in Jonah's mind. He was like, that's, uh, you know, God, you need to give them this. And so when, when God did not do what Jonah wanted God to do, then Jonah became angry. Let me say that again. When God did not do what Jonah wanted God to do, Jonah became angry. And does that sound familiar to anybody? Has there ever been a time when God didn't do what you wanted him to do, and because of that, you became angry with him? You know, maybe... Uh, God didn't give you that job that you thought you should have and you, and, and, or that relationship that you, you was, was hoping would work out, you know, or, or this thing that's happening with your family and you've been praying, praying, praying about that and then all of a sudden that doesn't happen and you become angry with God. Listen, we, let me just say out loud what all of us tend to know in, instinctively. We have this deal with God. Now, this isn't in the Bible, okay? This is in our own mind, but we have a deal with God, and it goes something like this. God, I'm going to do what you want me to do, all right? I'm going to show up to church, all right? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read my Bible. I may volunteer. I may give a little bit. I'm going to do the things that you want me to do. And then I expect you to do what I want you to do, Right? I mean, after all, God, look at all the stuff I've done. So now you're going you're gonna to come through with my request. And, and if I do what you want me to do and you don't do what I want you to do, then I'm done. I'm totally done with you. I'm not going to go that, that route anymore. I'm not going to be following you anymore because you didn't do our deal, right? Our deal is I obey you and then you will. Well, we wouldn't want to say it that way, but, but you're going to do what I want you to do, right? And this is what was happening with Jonah, that Jonah was like, okay, God, I came in and I did what you told me to do, but now you owe me, God, you owe me. In fact, he starts blaming God for it. I mean, he goes, he justifies his own disobedience. He goes, I knew that this was gonna happen. Didn't I tell you, this is why I ran from you, God, because I knew this was gonna go down this way. This is why. And so he's like, he's like justifying his own disobedience. Well, I knew you were gonna do this, so I, I ran from you, God. And, and yeah, you know, I know that you're a, a loving God, full of grace, full of mercy, slow to anger, uh, full of compassion. And I knew you were gonna do that. I knew you were gonna forgive them. I knew you were gonna show them grace. By the way, Jonah wants grace coming his way. He just doesn't want it going that way, right? He wants God to give him grace, but he doesn't want God to give anybody else grace. And so he's like, God, I just knew you were going to do that. Now I just want to die. All right, that's a little extreme, don't you think? A little extreme. I just want to die. All right, a little temper tantrum going on there. What he's really saying is, I just quit. I just quit. And you know what? There are a lot of folks that, Say, God, I have, I have served you, I've done this, I've done this, I've done this, and then I ask for this one thing, and it doesn't happen. And so you know what they do? They shut their Bibles, and they walk out the church, and they don't come back, because they're like, you know, I'm done. God owed me, and he didn't come through. You know, when you see anger like this, it usually is tied to control. It's usually tied to control. In fact, did you know that anger and control are kind of like two sides of the same coin? In fact, the thing that makes you angry is the thing that God wants you to release control. 
in your life? Think about that. What is it that gets you angry? Maybe that's the very thing that God wants you to free up. In fact, much of our Christian life, we are gripping a hold of control and Jesus is having to slowly peel our fingers off whatever that is so that we can say, Lord, I surrender control. You will never be happy. You will never find joy. You'll never, there'll never be a vibrancy in your life as a follower of Jesus until you come to the place where you are willing to relinquish control and say, God, I may not understand why you're not answering this. I may not fully uh, uh, grasp what you're doing here. I totally don't see how this could ever be a good thing for me or for the people around me. But God, I know that I see this much, right? This is how much I see uh, of my life. I just see a little sliver and you see God, the full picture from beginning to end, from eternity to eternity. And so God, I trust that you know what's best. I trust that you will be glorified and honored in whatever happens. And so God, I'm not gonna fight you for control anymore. I'm gonna relinquish control to you. Let me ask you something, what do you need to relinquish control of? What is God trying to peel your fingers off of? What is it that you need to say, God, I, I'm surrendering this to you, I'm not gonna fight this anymore. Because listen, if you hold on to that, what you'll end up becoming is just jaded and angry and embittered. It's a terrible tragedy, happens to many people all the time. And it certainly was happening to Jonah. It was happening to Jonah, he would not release control. Second thing that I think causes our hearts to drift from God is a pursuit of selfish comfort. Selfish comfort, look at verse five, just kind of walking through here. Jonah went out of the city and sat to the east of the city and made a booth for himself there. And he sat under, uh, sat under it in the shade till he should see what would become of the city. Now the Lord God appointed a plant and made it come up over Jonah that it might be a shade over his head to save him from his discomfort. So Jonah was exceedingly glad because of the plant. And when dawn came up the next day, God appointed a worm that attacked the plant so that it withered. And when the sun rose, God appointed a scorching east wind, and the sun beat down on the head of Jonah so that he was faint. And he asked that he might die and said, it is better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, do you do well to be angry for the plant? And he said, yes, I do well to be angry, angry enough to die. Man, Jonah's got attitude, doesn't he? He's got major attitude going on here. So here's Jonah. He's already excited. Well, I'm not going to control. I'm just mad at you because you didn't give me what I wanted. And so he goes up to the mountain, or I, I, it doesn't say mountain. I'm just envisioning this in my mind. Maybe a high place. And he, uh, and he just sets up his little chair. He builds him a little, little booth, little, uh, little tent area, little, little shelter. All right? And he said, he's opening up his chair like we do on the 4th of July, where we set out our little chairs and we're going to watch. And he's hoping that he sees fireworks. He's hoping that God finally changes his mind and pours, you know, hellfire down on this godforsaken town. All right. And so he's sitting there waiting and he's mad and he's angry. And then it says that while he was sitting there overnight, God just allowed a fast growing plant to just, just grow up. And, and blossom and have a little shade right over the top of his head. Now, listen, this doesn't say it in the Bible, but I think that it's true. I think Jonah was bald, all right? How, hey, we're my bald brothers. Where are they? Amen. Amen. God bless you. I, you see, because you can only understand this if you're bald, right? We love to have this thing covered. We got to have this thing covered when it's sunny. We got to have it covered when it's cold. We just need to, for, for Jonah, for God to just give him a little shade on the top, he's probably like, oh. Man, that's so nice. That's so nice. 
He, it said he was not just happy, he was exceedingly glad. I mean, Jonah was thrilled at this little plant. Finally, something good is happening to him. And then it said the next day, God sent a little worm. A little worm goes doing what worms do. Just started gnawing on this little vine and, and chopped it in half. And all of a sudden, that, that plant withers up. And then it said God sent this eastern uh, storm in this wind, this hot wind that blows in and began to burn down on top of his bald little head. And, uh, and it said that Jonah was mad again. Then you say, what, what is the deal with this plant and the worm and the wind? And what, what is going on here? Well, listen, God is teaching Jonah a lesson. Jo God is setting up a scenario where Jonah will be exposed for what his heart is really like. You see, the only time that Jonah has been happy in this whole book is that one time when he was served. When things went his way, when, when things were taken care of him. You know, when, when things are good with Jonah, then Jonah's happy, right? When he gets something to cover his head with shade, he's happy. If he's taken care of, he's happy. But the minute the worm goes to work on that little vine, he's back to mad again. And you know, it's easy for us to go, man, Jonah's got a terrible attitude, doesn't he? But I tell you what, aren't we just the same way? Man, when all of a sudden our job is great, man, God's good. You know, when we give you a promotion, God's good. When we get the bonus, God's good. You know, when, when the kids are great, God's good. When, our, when that new relationship is exciting and we're in love, God's good, right? But the minute the worms in life start to chew away at those things and all of a sudden those things turn a different direction, we so quickly become angry at God. And so let me just remind you that the Christian life is not about your comfort. What we're preaching up here is not, hey, follow Jesus and he's going to make you wildly successful. Follow Jesus and it's going to be blessing upon blessing. Follow Jesus and you're going to get double promotion. Follow Jesus, you're going to get double blessing. Follow Jesus. That, that's, not, that's not for this life. That's for the next life. That's for the next life. What, what following Jesus is about is not about our comfort, but it's about our calling. It's about doing what God has called us to do. And in that calling, there is great joy and satisfaction. It's, it's giving up your comfort to embrace your calling. And that's something that Jonah really never did. Jonah did what God told him to do, but he never embraced his calling. He was only wanting his own personal comfort. I see some of you are wearing your green today. All right, so you're not going to get pinched, right? Today is St. Patrick's Day. And I tell Liz that St. Patrick's Day is one of my favorite holidays. Yeah, kind of next to Christmas, St. Patrick's Day is one of my favorite holidays. And you say, well, Craig, why is St. Patrick's Day your favorite holiday? Because I thought St. Patrick's Day was all about drinking uh, green beer and eating green pancakes or whatever you do, on or dressing up like a leprechaun. I thought that's what you do. Well, that's what St. Patty's Day is about. But it's not what that's about. St. Patrick's Day is about a guy named St. Patrick. And St. Patrick was an actual historical figure, and he has a wonderful story. I'll give you just a real quick thumbnail sketch of it. It's worth a longer read, by the way. Uh, but St. Patrick grew up in a very uh, favored home, a very um, privileged, wealthy home in England. And when he was around 16 years old, he was actually captured by pirates and taken to Ireland 
as a slave. And he served there many, many years in bondage in Ireland. Now, Ireland was a wild place filled with all kinds of druid and pagan religion and so on. A lot of evil things happening over there. And he was actually a slave. And, and it's a dramatic story of how he escapes. And he makes his way over by night over several different days to finally get to a shoreline. And then he stows away on a ship and he makes his way back to England. And of course, they were elated. They thought their son was dead. And here he is alive again, but he's different. See, what happened to him when he was in captivity was that he came to the end of himself and he realized that only Christ could save him and he called out to God and he became a saved Christian. And so when he got home, all of a sudden he had this heart for God that he didn't have when he was living his privileged life. And then God spoke to Patrick in a dream and God told him to go back to Ireland, back to his enemies, back to those evil, wicked people and to tell them about Jesus. And so Patrick obeyed God. He left his comfort and he embraced his calling and he went back to Ireland. And when he went back to Ireland, he preached the gospel of Jesus. The same gospel I'm preaching to you, he preached to them. And people began to be saved. And people began to follow Jesus and he would disciple a few of those men and would send them out to preach the gospel and to plant churches. And before long, it's over several decades, what happened was the gospel began to be preached all across Ireland and people's lives were changed. It, they said that, that Patrick drove out the evil spirits from Ireland and left it a completely new place. It became the center of Christianity. So much so that when Europe, fell into deep darkness. It was the missionaries from Ireland that took the gospel back to Europe. See, St. Patrick, I love it. I love St. Patrick's Day because it's a disciple-making holiday. It is a disciple-making holiday, all right? And it's about a man who rejected his comfort and embraced his calling. Now, let me ask you something. Would you be willing to do that? See, if you're constantly saying, God, no, I don't want to do that. I'm not comfortable sharing my faith. I'm not comfortable going uh, to Lusaka or Montreal. I'm not comfortable uh, leading a group. I'm not comfortable going to a connect group. I'm not comfortable with, with all these. I'm not really comfortable serving. I'm not really comfortable praying. If you constantly stay in your comfort zone, you will never experience the joy that God wants to give you of following him. Because Jesus doesn't just show up in your comfort. He, he shows up in your discomfort when you embrace your calling, not your comfort. And I think Jonah became very embittered, not only because he was holding on to control, but because he was also holding on to his own comfort and not embracing in his heart the calling of God. If you do not let go of your comfort and embrace God's calling, you will become angry and bittered. And you will not experience the joy that God has for you. The more you say no to God, what you're really doing is saying no to joy, no to happiness, no to usefulness, no to God's plan for your life. Let me give you one more thing. What causes our hearts to drift from God is a concern for things over people. We see this in verse 10 and 11. It says, and the Lord said, you pity the plant which you did not labor, nor did you make it grow, which came into being in a night and perished in a night. And should not I pity Nineveh, that great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left, and also much cattle? 
See, God is now talking to Jonah. Jonah's pouting over the plant, right? And God is speaking to him. He's patient with him, just like a loving father is patient with us. And he said, Jonah, you're mad a lot. You're angry a lot, Jonah. Things aren't going the way you want them to go, and so you're mad. You're critical. You're negative. You see, Jonah, the problem is your heart is not aligned with my heart. You're, you're, you're not excited about things I'm excited about. You're complaining about the things that you want to happen, the way you want it to be, the way you prefer it, but you're not celebrating all the good things that I'm doing. And your heart's not aligned with my heart. And Jonah, you're, you're more concerned about this plant, this thing, than people. Jonah, did you plant this plant? Uh, no. Did you water it? No. Did you feed it? No. Did you have any invested time in it? No. But you're more concerned about this thing than these people. I want you to look, Jonah. Look at this town. You came up on this mountain. All right, let's take a good look at it. I almost pictured if, if God could have, have come down at you before him, he would have grabbed his, his face like this and forced him to look at the people and say, look at the city, Jonah. I allowed this city to grow. I know these people. I have a vested interest in this city. Look at the people, Jonah. These people are created in my image, and I love them, and I created them to know me and to follow me. Look at what they're doing, Jonah. Yeah, they're wicked. They're evil. They're just like you, Jonah. They're wicked and they're evil, and yet I want to show them grace and mercy. Look, Jonah, if you don't even care about them, look at the innocence in this city. Look at the ones who can't tell their right from their left. Most scholars believe that he's talking about children that are not old enough to know their right from their left. Look at the cattle. They didn't do anything wrong. These, these children didn't do anything wrong. You want me to wipe all them out? Jonah, Jonah, I care about these people. And all you care about is a plant. Jonah, our hearts are not in alignment. All you care about is your thing, your preference. Your plant. And you don't care about the people that I care about. Listen, God wants us to care for people more than anything. God wants us to care for people more than things. And I really, this story ends with a, a question that is unanswered. He asks a question, and then there's no answer to it. It's kind of left hanging in the air. And I think that's there on purpose. Because I think we have to answer that question for ourselves. Do you care about people more than things? Do you care about people more than your comfort? Do you care about people more than holding on to control? Do you care about people more than being successful? Do you care about people more than being popular at school? Do you care about people? Do you care about the people in your neighborhood? Do you care about the people in your office? Do you care about the people that you drive by to get to the church? Do you care about people that are different than you? That maybe look different than you? That maybe believe different than you? That maybe behave differently than you? Can you see past what they're doing to see that these people matter to God? Do you care about people that vote differently than you? See, at the end of the day, God was working on Jonah's heart. 
that Jonah cared more about things than he cared about people. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. See, this is why Jesus came, because he loves people. And he came to save people. You know, when you look at it, Jonah is, uh, uh, Jesus is greater than Jonah. I love the contrast between Jesus and Jonah. You know, while Jonah wanted to control, Jesus relinquished his control. He said, not my will, but your will be done. When Jonah resisted going to Nineveh, Jesus willingly came to earth to pay the penalty for our sin. When Jonah ran from God, Jesus obeyed God fully and completely. When Jonah was thrown into the sea, into the wrath of God, that Jesus chose the wrath of God on the cross for us. When, uh, when Jonah was in the belly of the whale three days, Jesus was in the tomb three days. And when Jonah came out miraculously, Jesus rose from the dead, showing himself to be alive to over 500 people. Listen, when Jonah went to Nineveh and, and preached a message and saw a movement take place, that Jesus, after his resurrection, sent out his disciples to the ends of the earth to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, and the movement of Christ is still sweeping the globe. Listen, Jesus is a better Jonah. And Jesus is the one that we look to because he loves you and he cares for you and he wants you to know him and to follow him. Do you know him? Listen, uh, if you are a Christian here today, I want you to listen to my words. Don't, don't let your religion or your religious practice keep your heart adrift from God. Don't just rely on the external to be, well, I, I go to here and I do this and I do that. Surely I'm okay. No, when your heart is drifting, ask yourself, is your heart in alignment with God's heart? Are you experiencing joy? Are you celebrating any time that the gospel is moving forward? Are you celebrating when the next generation is, is worshiping? Are you celebrating when people are saved? Are you celebrating when the church moves forward? Are you willing to release control? Are you willing to Embrace your calling. Are you willing to love people? That's what will keep your heart aligned with God's heart. We need to constantly pray, God, don't let my heart drift from you. And if you're not a Christian, then what you need is Jesus. You don't need more religion. You don't need a lot more external practice. What you need is Christ to come in and change you.